0: Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. I don't know about you, but I needed to be reminded of that truth this morning. No matter what you're going through, no matter the storms that you're facing, if you're like me, you've been gripped by the headlines after seeing the earthquake, devastation in Haiti, and then the chaos that has gripped Afghanistan, and to be reminded that God is, He's in control, He's good, He's present, and He is for us. Well, you may be seated And as you're seated, let's pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your presence here and now. Father, we ask now that you will grant us a perspective. Will you grant us ears to hear and eyes to see those things that you would have us know and do? The courage of heart to apply the truths that is revealed in us and through us through the working of your Holy Spirit in our daily lives. Father, our hearts desire, my prayer all week, is, Father, that we will be a changed, a transformed people because of your goodness, grace, presence, and power. It is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people say, amen. amen. Over the next seven weeks, we are going to be unpacking the seven values that drives Mount Zion. Around tables, when we have a decision to make, these are the values that we filter our response, our answer, our understanding through. Values are important. Andy Stanley says it this way. He said, it is a pathway, not intention, that leads to a destination. In other words, if you wake up tomorrow morning at McDonald's, they say, hey, we're going all vegan, Now, some of you would say, I never knew that that was meat, you know, like, but that's for another time. But if they said we're going to go all vegan, that would radically change the way that they met the needs of community. If Chick-fil-A said, hey, tomorrow we are going to start introducing hamburgers to our menu that would radically change the way that that organization was was led. If Walmart said, we're only going to sell top shelf names, no longer affordability or convenience is our objective, is our goal, is our win. Instead, we're gonna gonna offer the very, very best at a premium price. That would change their whole model. The values steer, guide, and lead the organization and the church It is the only entity in the entire world that is both an organization, but it is also an organism, meaning that it is living, it is vibrant. You are the church. The Holy Spirit not only meets us here, but it's in you. It guides you. It leads you. It convicts you. And the question that I want to pose to each and every one of you this morning, over the next seven weeks, as we unpack value after value, the question at the end of the day that you have to wrestle with, is this a value to me? Because when people think about Mount Zion, they don't think about this building or this location. They think about the ambassadors that represent the kingdom of God, to call Mount Zion home. In other words, they think about you. Not only how you represent the kingdom of God and Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but also how you represent and live out the values that drive us, that steer us, that guide us, that lead us. So this morning, value number one is Jesus is our Lord. The question that you have to ask is, oh, sorry about that, is uh, Jesus your Lord? Not only is Jesus our Lord, but you have to make this personal. Is Jesus my Lord? Anytime that Jesus gathered a group of people around him, no matter if it was on a mountainside or a hillside, no matter if he was feeding the masses or if he was just speaking, to friends and family that gathered around the table, his constant instruction was repent. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. And if we were to create common vernacular for that, it would sound something like this. Because of who I am, because I am now available to you, around you, and in you, you might want to rethink the way that you think about everything. Rethink the way that you think about everything. So once again, as we unpack, Jesus is Lord. Is he your Lord? And is this a value to you? You have your Bibles, if you will meet me in Psalm 23. We're going to be picking it up in verse 1. This is a familiar psalm to many of us. It was penned by David, a young shepherd boy sitting on a hillside, overseeing that of a flock. And these are the words that he writes on that day The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. And even when I walk through the darkest of valleys, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and they comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So what you will notice At the very top of this scripture in verse one, we see that word, Lord. And in many translations in your Bible, depending what version you are using, yours may have all of the letters in capital letters. Capital L-O-R-D. And when you see this, it's important to know that this is referring to God's name it's pulling out his deity, or magnifying that. In scripture, Jesus as Lord is used over 300 times throughout the scriptures. And when you see the word Lord, depending on the reference, depending on who they're addressing, either it's talking about a title like sir or it's talking about a position or it's talking about a deity. And when Jesus' name is mentioned, Lord, it matters. And it should matter to you, and it should matter to us as a church, as a living body of Christ lived out and expressed in our community. So when David, when he refers to God as Lord, what is is he saying? And what does that mean in regard to to Christ Jesus and the way that we interact and the way that we view our relationship and Christ's relationship with us, in us, and through us? You see, David is, is using the same word as we find in Exodus chapter three, when God calls Moses to go before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And Moses has a very appropriate response or question to this mandate. Who shall I ask, or who shall I say sent me? And God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am, has sent me. That same word, I am, is the same word that David uses when he says, Lord. Is an ineffable name, meaning the for many movements and people, they still are not even allowed to use God's proper name. So when they spell it out in many of our translations, it'll be G underscore D. And what that is referring to is Yahweh, which is a bunch of vowels that made it almost impossible to say. In fact, many scholars believe The way you pronounce it is the way that we breathe when we exhale, constantly calling upon the name of the Lord. Each breath we literally take. The word Lord is also used Jehovah or Adonai in the Greek. We simply say, Lord, I am who I am. What does I am mean? What does it mean to us in our here and now? It means that God is almighty. I am means he is sovereign, the supreme being, ruler over everything. He is most high. He is ruler and he is commander of all. God is all powerful, unstoppable, all knowing. He is the almighty king of the universe. You see, we simply look at it as four letters, Lord, but it is certainly a mouthful. As David sits on a hillside writing these words, it's it's proper that we gain a, a, a right understanding of how he sees God. You see, David, this is before he inherited the title king, ruler of all of Israel. This is before David took a sling and some rocks and courageously walked into a valley to fight Goliath the giant. This is David, a young shepherd boy, who many scholars believe his dad was so ashamed, so embarrassed of him, and sent him out to the field so that he could be forgotten. Abandoned. David, who, when the prophet came and said, the anointed king is among your sons, bring them before me and let's seek who it is. Dad didn't even invite David to the party because surely God could not bless, use, or anoint him. So what is David saying when he says, the Lord? He's saying, this God who is good, this God who loves, this Father who provides, this Father who protects, he shepherds me, Ra. And what is the word shepherd? It is used in the verb tense. Literal translation, the Lord shepherds me. The Lord, the most powerful being in the entire universe, feeds me, protects me, provides for me, comforts me, draws near to me. The Lord, my companion, my friend, the Lord is with me and I am with the Lord. The Lord draws near to me. The great I am commands me. He guides and leads my every step. And out of joyful submission, I will follow the Lord. I will submit my very life, my very understanding to the Lord. And because he loves me and because he protects me and because he feeds me and because he cares for me, I shall not, want. Why? Because he shepherds me. And what does it look like to be shepherded by the Lord? Well, verse two tells us, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. You see, Green Pastures creates and stirs this imagery of a place of security, of safety. David is saying, he brings me and guides me and leads me to a safe place. There, he will provide for me. There, he will protect me, which means if someone provides and they protect, we interpret that as we are loved, we are valued, we are accepted, we are important, we are concluded, we are not forgotten, we are not abandoned. Regardless of circumstances, regardless of conditions, we are invited into something beautiful and redemptive. We are loved. He leads me beside still waters. He will lead me and guide my steps to the very best life possible, to the best place possible. David is saying the most powerful, all-knowing, unstoppable, most loving being in the entire universe loves me. And he will show me where my life will thrive like a green pasture. And he will lead me down a path that leads me to a life of blessing, security, faithfulness, goodness. And if I am willing to follow the Lord, I shall never be found wanting, longing, incomplete, or insufficient. And the operative word there is if. I am willing to follow. If David is willing to follow the Lord, then he will know a life and he will leave a legacy that is marked and defined not by comfort, but by faithful obedience. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You see, sheep, We're referred to sheep. We are compared to sheep. Sheep are not very smart. And what David is saying is that a sheep without a shepherd will not last long. Sheep without a shepherd will not survive the storms and the struggles of this world. You can't outsmart it, outthink it, outwill it, outstrength it. If your teacher ever tells you that you're as smart as a sheep, you failed that test, okay? You've never heard someone say, you're as strong as a sheep. I know that Dodge has tried to kind of reclaim that through the, you know, but... That's not, you're not very strong. And what Jesus is trying to say in this moment is that apart from my guidance, my leading, my presence, you will not survive the storms of this world. So, why do we trust that voice? Why should we put our faith and our hope, our security and our identity in God? And John chapter 10, verse 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. So let me ask you this question. If someone is willing to give their very life for your life in place of your life, would you follow that person? Would you submit to that person? Would you give your life and your very beating? Would you find your identity in that person And if you say, I don't know, if that same person gave their very life for you and then after three days woke up, was resurrected, what would you call that person? I would call them Lord. I would give my life to that person And many of us think of Lord as shepherd and we hear the words, he cares for me, he provides for me, he protects me, he only wants the best for me and we're all in, man. I will give my life to that person, that shepherd, that gentleness, that peace, that comfort, I'm all in. But the word Lord, in order to gain proper symmetry, we also have to understand the all knowing, the all powerful, the king, the commander. There's this story in Scripture, in Matthew, about a centurion official, a military official, who he approaches Jesus and he is seeking healing for a loved one. And centurion means that he had a hundred people under his authority, under his command. And he goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I know what it's like to be Lord, lowercase. I know what it's like to have people under my authority. I speak words and because I speak them, it is done. They accomplish what I ask because I have authority. And the reason I have authority is because there's someone who has authority over me. And if someone breaks my authority, then they ultimately have to answer to them so the centurion says, you're special. You are connected to someone even higher, even greater, even more powerful than I am. And I believe, I have faith that because of who you are connected to, if you just speak the words, they be healed, it will be so that even the sick have to submit To your authority. And Jesus, how does he respond to this centurion's understanding of what it means to be in complete submission? Your translation may say that he marvels or that he was astonished. He had not seen a greater understanding in all of the land. So when we hear the words, Jesus is my Lord, not only is Jesus my savior and my shepherd, my comfort, my peace, my provider, my joy, but he's also my commander, my king, someone who is over me, who I submit under his authority. He's not just savior. He's not just comforter, he's not just God, but the Lord Jesus, he actually runs my life. When I was in California finishing up some school, we had a Navy SEALs uh, commander. He actually oversaw all of the BUDS uh, program, which is Navy SEALs preparation and kind of training. I mean, he was a man's man. And while he was in our class teaching, he talked about this word called subjugation. And it's when we put ourselves under the command of someone else. And we can ask questions, we can debate, we can get mad, we can walk into the other room and we can roll our eyes. But because we place ourselves in a place of submission to and under authority, When the final word is said, we do what we're told to do. He says these words, I love the idea of God being my commander. The concept gives me great context to how I am to relate to the Lord. Amazing, really, that I've never thought of this before. Because he has a unique perspective of chain of command. We're out on the battlefield, and he had 100 battles under his belt. If there is not a supreme leader out there, an authoritarian, who when he says go left, everyone goes left. When everyone goes right, he goes right. If there's not a supreme voice, a supreme authority out there, then people lose their lives. So he has this proper understanding of chain of command, and this comes down to the question, do I trust my commander-in-chief Do I trust that that is authority and been placed above me? Romans chapter five, verses six through eight says this. When you and I, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us as sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though some might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die while we were all still sinners. In other words, all have fallen short of the glory of God. And unless you submit to Christ's authority and accept him as savior, Being a good person, doing good things in the world, it doesn't equate to a hill of beans. It doesn't matter. You can't wheel yourself into heaven. You can't be good enough. You are utterly helpless. You are a sinner that is saved by grace through placing your faith and belief that Christ is good. So that's symmetry. He is Lord king that we submit to, but he is also Lord Savior who saves through grace and through mercy, through compassion, empathy, and love. Now, to bring clarity, every religion in the world has to do something with Jesus. No one denies his historical significance in our world. So Muslims, they believe that Jesus was a prophet that was sent by God, Jews believe that he was a false messianic claimant who actually led people away from truth. Hindus believe that Jesus is the incarnation of a God, Vishnu, who is the preserver of order and good amidst chaos. So when the world gets off the proverbial tracks, Vishnu enters into the scene to get humanity back on the right path. Atheists usually refer to Jesus as a good teacher, but not as savior, not as Messiah not his Lord. Agnostics, they believe that he was a significant historical figure, much like George Washington, but they're fairly indifferent to him. And C.S. Lewis echoes the words of Jesus when he utterly rejects all those claims. Lewis says that either Jesus is a liar, he's a lunatic, or he's Lord And if he's Lord, then you accept all that he says and all that he does through accepting him as Savior and placing yourself under his authority. Or he's crazy, and you have to ignore all of that. Or he's a liar, and you still are placed in a position of rejecting it because you are not going to allow a lunatic or a liar to guide, lead, and instruct your life. So the question, is Jesus Lord of your life? And the way that we understand this reality, it actually shapes our community. John chapter three, verse 16 through 17. We love this verse, especially 16, but oftentimes we leave out verse 17. And John says, for here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and to rescue it. What John is referencing here." is that this movement that we are a part of when we place ourselves under the authority of Christ Jesus as Lord, and as we accept him as our savior, we become an incarnational movement. In the message translation of this verse, it says that Jesus moved into the neighborhood, stepping out of heaven. And we as image bearers, That's what we are called to do because we have been forgiven from our sin and from our debt that can only come through Christ Jesus, not our works, but you were saved not by your works, but to do a good work. So because of that, we now step into the messiness of people's life just like Christ did before us and continues to do in us, through us, and with us. So the way that this informs and shapes our community not only are there maturing and growing disciples here that call Mount Zion home, but there are also babies and there are also infants and there are also toddlers. And our expectation and the weight that we place on a maturing adult is different than that of a growing infant or a toddler. So may Mount Zion, by the grace of God, may it always be a messy place. May there always be jacked up people that call Mount Zion home. May there never be this understanding that you have to have all of your proverbial ducks in a row before you are accepted, valued, loved here. We are called to be an incarnational movement, stepping into the mess of our community, of our reality, and blessing them as they come here, not condemning them, not judging them, but loving them. And how do we interact with the brokenness of our world? We find our counsel, life in full, stepping into the life that God has for us, by not only being informed by the working of his Holy Spirit in us through us, but also by submitting to the counsel of God's holy, infallible word, So if scripture offends you, if it pushes up against your personal preferences or your agenda or your convictions, we don't care. And I say that all due respect and in a loving way, our responsibility is to submit to the holy word of God, to receive counsel in it and to extend counsel from it, to inform identities, to shape vision, mission, and expression here in our community through the guidance of God's holy word. Colossians chapter one, verse 15 says, Christ is the invisible image of the invisible God. He exists before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created Everything in the heavenly and the earthly realms. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones and kingdoms, rulers and authority in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and he holds all of creation together. Christ is also the head of this church which is the body. He is the beginning, the supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything for God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through God, he is reconciling everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth and by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So the question that you have to wrestle with this morning as we unpack Jesus is our Lord, you have to make it personal. Is Jesus your Lord? Both as Savior and as King. With every head bowed and with every eye closed, Is there something in your life that you have yet to surrender to Christ Jesus? Maybe it's a habit or a behavior that you know is in complete contrast to God's word. What he says is best and right and wise for your life. Is there something in your life, a a step that you know you're supposed to be taking that you have just white-knuckled the chair? You've excused it by saying, "Let let me get through this busy season. Let me get all of my proverbial ducks in a row. What is the one thing in your life that you have yet to release to the Lordship of Christ Jesus You know that it forfeits comfort to faithfully pursue faithfulness. May today be the day of absolute and full submission to the Lordship of Christ Jesus. Or maybe today, you have yet to submit to Him and to accept Him as Lord and Savior. You've believed the lie that you're too messy, too broken. You feel like David on a hillside. You feel abandoned, forgotten, betrayed, insignificant. You've allowed past hurts and scars and words and actions to define you and to excuse you. And you have just settled the fact that My life is going to equate to nothing. It's not going to matter. I'm just going to sit and look over these sheep and herd them and tend to them for the rest of my life. David, a man after God's own heart, you may say that your life is too messed up, that you've done too much wrong, Have you ever murdered someone? Committed adultery? Betrayed your best friend? You bring me your story and I will show you God's grace, mercy, and love. Because David, in the midst of all of his brokenness and sin nature, God says, that's my son. That's my boy. Look at him pursue my heart. And in that pursuit, I am so pleased. Church, you are loved. You are valued. And the call and the purpose on your life is far greater than the sin of your past, than the pride of your here and now. And Jesus, as if someone, someone wants to gain life, life in the full, they got to give up their life in full submission to Christ as Lord, both Savior. No matter where you are this morning, there is a step to be taken. What is yours? What does Jesus is my Lord look like expressed in your individual life through your individual next steps? May you be found faithful and courageous and intentional day don't wait don't yield don't believe the lies and the tactics of the enemy may you move one of the most important roles of a shepherd is to keep the flock moving forward not allowing them to continue to graze with what is beneath their feet where they will eat away all that is alive and they will chew at the roots. So may we as a movement continue to move forward. May we love our community with the heart of Jesus so that people far from God can be raised to life in Christ. Our altars this morning, they are open. We will love To have the opportunity to hear your story and join you in praying may it be so in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and all god's people say amen you stand to your feet and let's worship together and do not miss this opportunity to take your next steps Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.